Hey everyone, welcome back for another EM Board Bomb special episode. Today is actually going to be a bonus bomb. Don't sound the ban just yet. Um, you know what the problem is though, is that I'm actually alone today. Dr. Hussein um, is actually working nights. I'm on days. If you remember like two weeks ago, I was on nights and he was on days or something like that. Um, so now we have a swap schedule because they never want us to work together. You can imagine how that would go, uh, a shift with both of us working together. So now it's just me. So you get to hear me ramble for a few minutes. Um, so I don't really know what to do. I literally sat at my computer sitting here wondering how the, how the heck do I talk for a few minutes without someone to banter off of. And I guess the only thing I could tell you is that I was watching a video earlier of the Bottle Boys. You should look it up. I'm going to totally get them views. They already have like 7 million views. Um, I have no idea why this came up in my newsfeed. Um, but they basically take bottles and they perform whatever famous musical hits. Uh, I just watched the YMCA one. That's actually pretty good. Um, like some British guys. Or... And now I just watched the one for Billie Jean, which reminded me, I don't, then I had to look up um, who Billie Jean was, and it turns out she was actually um, non-existent. Although there's some fan theories out there. Apparently there was a big stink about whether or not there's a conspiracy, whether Billie Jean was apparently was a real person and but it's a great song it's it's fantastic so recommend it so why don't we start with the script so before we get into the bonus bomb you should sign up for our podcast um it's a free sign up for free updates and episodes and you get printed handouts um you go to our website at emboardbombs.com and you should be signing up right now as you're listening to me if you're sitting at home feet kicked up on the ottoman in front of you or coffee table however you like it or if you're on the way to work if you're on the way to work actually you shouldn't be playing on your phone you should just be have your headphones in or auxiliary cable listening but either way you should be listening and you should sign up when you get the chance so sign up on the website and then go over to your apple podcast app pull that up and sign up the reviews really help us if you drop a review and subscribe those really boost our numbers they boost our podcast rating they help us come out with more episodes and you should also drop a review and tell a particular topic you want to go over actually today's topic is from one of our subscribers and our subscriber's name is, hold on, let me find it. Subscriber's name is Kim, <laughs> Kim Jong-un's Bombs Are Bigger. I don't know how he fit that into a username. Kim Jong-un's Bombs Are Bigger. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Speaking of bombs, I'm surprised, if Iltafa and I were talking the other day, um, we were surprised that the FBI hasn't really come to our door yet, considering the usage of the word bomb in our media and uh, on our website as well. I'm sure they've already paid a visit and said, what are these lunatics <laughs> posting crap about bombs? Anyway, so I guess we should cue the band. Uh, we got the intro in. Let's talk about a quick topic. Now it's time for a bonus bomb. Kim Jong-un's bombs are bigger. <laughs> and he was asking, hey, can you go over board relevant info for tracheostomy bleeding? And yeah, I thought that was a great topic. So let's make this as simple as possible. So trach, they actually have less complications overall than ET tubes. Um, the most common complication, of course, being bleeding, which is what we're talking about today. So there's this one time I remember I was an intern in the ICU, MICU, and I was actually called, it was actually my first day in the MICU, and I was called by the nurse to the patient's room, and the, and the trach was, like, bleeding. It wasn't, like, scary bleeding. It was, like, every time we cough, you know, blood came out. And, and this was literally, like, I think my first month as a doctor. And I literally had no idea how to proceed. And these two nurses were looking at me like, 
um, aren't you a doctor? So the scariest thing is that I looked online after that situation, um, and I didn't have a simple approach to this common problem. And, and since then, you know, I wrote up a handout on it, and I can post it on the website. If you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get this handout. So that's another incentive to sign up. And there's like three steps to go through this, and then we'll quickly cover it. This will be like less than two minutes. The handout will cover more in detail. I'm not just going to read stuff off to you. What a waste of time. We're all about efficiency here at EM Board Bomb. So step one, how bad is the bleeding? Um, is it gross blood, serosanguinous? Is it blood-tinged mucus? If it's copious, gross blood, you need to call for help right away. Not because you're not capable of handling it. It's because um, it's good to have more than one hand in the room. Uh, you're going to need equipment to the bedside, like an airway cart, obviously difficult airway stuff, crash cart, uh, all that stuff. And then, of course, hemostatic agent. Suction, surgicils, silver nitrate, all that kind of stuff. So th get all that stuff ready. So how old is this trach? You know, different problems with trachs appear at different times. So immediate trach issues in about 48 to 72 hours can be all related to post-op issues or whatever, post-placement of the trach. And we won't get into all that stuff, but there'll be a ton of stuff, right? So any damage to structures, uh, pneumothorax, could be a surgical emphysema in the neck. So the intermediate long-term issues. So let's say you're greater than two days out. So vast majority of trach patients are going to be seeing. A lot more problems, right? Horrible infections, dislodgement, obstruction. And then the, the scary, frightening, causes nightmares in your sleep condition is tracheo-nominate fistula. You just say that and people shudder everywhere. Kittens die when you say that word. This typically occurs like two weeks after placement. And basically you have like a sentinel bleed, um, and then you have like a heavy bleed. I feel like these sentinel bleeds, they happen in, like, other things, too, right? They happen in, like, mesenteric ischemia. They happen in um, aorta enteric fistulas. So these fistulas have a lot of these things, like these sentinel bleeds. It's kind of like a warning shot. Like, hey, I'm going to screw your life up in a week if you don't notice me. <laughs> so 50% of patients have sentinel bleeds, actually, with these tracheonominate fistulas. So the causes, of course, of tracheonominate fistulas will be a low trach placement. There's tons of pictures in Google Images. Um... The neck of the trach is like pushing on that artery there, and that, of course, will cause bleeding to occur. Um, so if this patient presents to the ED or ICU and they have a sentinel bleed, you should get a bronch and then follow with a CTA. Um, however, we're assuming they're coming in actively bleeding right away. So if you're assuming that it's a tracheonominate fistula or any type of severe gross blood, and you know the blood is coming from within the trachea, not around the trachea, that's important, right? Because if it's around the trachea, then it's going to be usually post-op, moderate bleeding, put gauze there and watch it. But if it's within the trachea and it's gross blood, you need to obviously uh, secure the airway and hemorrhage control. Those are the two steps for uh, tracheal bleeding. You're going to hold digital pressure at the site, first step. Sometimes that'll do it. The most important step, and this is what the boards are going to look for, hyperinflate the trach cuff. Hyperinflate the trach cuff. And you need to see if it improves bleeding. So you're going to remove that speaking valve or cap in the inner tube if you have it there. Um, and then you're going to suction the trach. And if the trach is uncuffed, you need to replace it with cuff trach. And you're going to use that with a bougie. You're going to add about a total of like 15 milliliters of air. And this actually works like they did studies, and this works like 85% of the time. That's pretty good in a scary situation. It's like no thought. You should walk in the room, you see gross blood, it's heavy blood, they've had a trach greater than two days, got to suspect a fistula, and you immediately hyperinflate the trach cuff and make sure that it is a cuff trach, by the way. And then you're going to fill it with air and make sure it's hyperinflated and then hold pressure. So if that doesn't work, um, the immediate thing to do is actually kind of just manipulate the trach. Don't pull it out, obviously, but you should be moving the tube slowly, anteriorly, maybe superiorly, and allow the cuff to be placed kind of directly on that bleeding site. That's the whole point of hyperinflating it. You're putting pressure, tamponade pressure, on that bleeding site. So sometimes the trach may be below that bleeding site or above the bleeding site, so you need just to move it around until you can stop the bleed. And then, of course, you're going to assess the airway and breathing after all that. 
And you're basically going to have to make uh, a really big decision point here, which is if this doesn't work, there's going to be this point of no return where you're going to have to say, hey, the inflated trach, the hyperinflated trach is not doing its job. You're going to have to basically take out that trach, insert your finger inside the tracheostomy hole and put firm pressure against the manubrium. You could also insert a Foley catheter and more or less inflate the balloon. Um, and then you got to make sure, though, this whole thing that I'm saying, this is all off the cuff, no pun intended. Um, this is all stuff that is just clinical related and extra steps to make the topic complete. The Basically, the board relevant stuff, as I'll emphasize in a minute, ended at hyperinflating the cuff because there's no way the boards are ever going to give you a situation where you have to decide taking out the trach and does this patient need to have an oral intubation and this is way out of the scope of today's little topic um, and that is not going to be on the boards because that is a clinical decision and it is a scary clinical decision because you have a patent airway right here and then that's suggesting that you must take out the trach and put in an oral airway which is scary if you can imagine these patients have cancer or other crappy things going on that are causing their airway to probably be completely altered. See, when you look in with a direct lendroscope and you're like, oh, I don't see any cords. They're like, <laughs> they're up in Maine. <laughs> and I'm like here in Tennessee looking for them. So they're completely out of the way. You won't even know where they are. So I would caution against that. So the board's basically going to ask about this hyperinflation of the trach cuff. You need to see if that improves bleeding. That is the first step. And that's what they're going to ask. Digital pressure, hyperinflating trach cuff. Bam, done. So just to summarize here, remember we have three steps here to approaching these trach bleeding patients. Step one, describe the bleeding. How bad is it? Get help. Don't be afraid to get it. Step two, how old is the trach? Remember, less than 48 hours is post-op stuff. Greater than 48 hours is going to be, we talked about, and they're in the handout. Step three, of course, is the blood coming from within the trach lumen, or is it around the trach lumen, right? If it's in the trach lumen, then we're going to proceed with hyperinflating the trach cuff and going down that step pathway we talked about in detail. So just to summarize here again, one last thing. If it's bleeding from within the trach, most common cause is too vigorous suctioning. However, others would include the bronchoscopy exam, dry mucosa, or granulation tissue. What do you need to be concerned about if it is a lot of bleeding from the trach? You need to think about a patient's coagulopathy or a tracheonominate fistula. And that's basically about it. Because the rest of the stuff is all getting into non-board relevant stuff, and you can refer to the handout for that. So wow, that was fun. Thank you, Kim Jong-un's bombs are bigger. <laughs> for sending us that topic review. See how easy that is? You see how much fun it is to sign up online for free on our website and then sign up at Apple Podcasts. Give us a nice five-star rating. This really does help us. I can't emphasize that enough. If there's a particular topic you want, you let us know, just like today. And please join our mailing list. And I don't, I don't really got anything else. So that's it. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening. And come back next time. This is Dr. Blake Briggs signing off. Yeah.